You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You're listening to summer programming on 3CR. to all the bicycle riders seen bicycle rider bicycle rider bike rider my other bike rider bike rider my other bike rider just me riding a bike is better bike rider my other bike rider everybody should ride bicycle everybody should ride Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio program on Community Radio 3CR 8.55am and digital. You might have noticed today is the uh, 1st of January which means we're off doing something else but in its place of us being here we're going to listen to Step Away From The Car. This is a series of audio put together by Radio Adelaide. Nikki's page over there did a great job of work putting this together. And this was recorded from people who were present at the 2017 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference. First up, we're going to hear from Port Adelaide Bicycle User Group and uh, Basically, heavy industry, heavy vehicles, cyclists and pedestrians are a pretty uncomfortable combination in Port Adelaide. The Grassroots Bicycle User Group has been working for 35 years to increase the margins of safety for cyclists and pedestrians. Bug Secretary Sam Parry describes the situation and some of their successes. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Some news about active transport. The real revelation for us down at Port Adelaide has been the small amount of investment in cycling infrastructure in that area has generated an enormous flowering of what I can only call grassroots active transport. You know, people in boiler suits riding to work and we need to place our faith in the appeal of bicycle use for ordinary people. Mainstream media like to present cyclists as trendies in expensive lycra gear who get in the way of cars or threaten pedestrians. Port Adelaide is definitely not a leafy eastern suburb. The determined local bicycle user group there have been on the job for decades, achieving, amongst other things, a 20-kilometre safe route linking them to the Adelaide CBD. The Bug Secretary is Sam Powery. Port Adelaide is the original settlement for Adelaide. It's on, a, on the entrance to the Port River, part of an old, largely reclaimed, marshy coastal swampland, and incorporates the Lefevre Peninsula, which is quite an isolated part of the city in many ways, isolated by the river and also socioeconomically. The Port Bug, like many bicycle user groups around the world, is a grassroots organisation for local residents to further the cause of cycling and active transport, including walking and public transport to a large extent. Tell us about your achievements then that you're proud of. Well, 
the achievements extend over 30 years now. Port Adelaide was, you know, 100 years ago, was Adelaide's original engineering and heavy industry suburb, and it still retains very much that character. So bicycle use on public roads has to contend with large quantities of heavy vehicles and industrial traffic, a lot of commuter vehicles. Roads are often in poor condition due to the heavy use. A lot of railway lines provide uh, significant barriers to bicycle use and to walking as well. Heavy vehicle use is, is increasing exponentially. In 2015, it was projected that heavy vehicle use in Port Adelaide on some of the major access roads would increase between three and five times out to 2020, and we're seeing that very markedly at the moment. So a lot of our efforts, we're just trying to basically pay catch-up to try and, and increase the margins of safety for vulnerable road users. And how have you done that? Well, it starts with awareness raising with local councillors, and the state government, I think, has a strong policy to um, install bicycle lanes, painted bicycle lanes, on all major main roads wherever possible. So we put most of our efforts in trying to establish the concept of greenways or dedicated secure cycling routes either on or off-road across the Port Adelaide area and we've been substantially successful with that. That's been an effort, a sustained effort over the last 13 years developing the Outer Harbour Greenway and related greenways across the Port Adelaide area. We've also got a very strong focus on bicycle and pedestrian access to the Port CBD which is very much cut off by main roads and by railway lines and the like and by the Port River because the 40 odd thousand people who live out uh, from the Port Adelaide out to the end of the Lefebvre Peninsula have significant difficulties getting to service centres in the Port CBD simply because of the geography of the place and the very limited public transport. Port Adelaide is historically very much a working class area, all of that uh, heavy industry and so on. Now it's an area where there's a lot of unemployment. There's been some conversation here at the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference about the media's portrayal of cyclists as a niche group, as the latte sippers, and basically using that to uh, manufacture or to amplify any conflict between cyclists and pedestrians or cyclists and anybody else. And you've got some perspective on that given the group and the area that you're working in, haven't you? Yeah, sure. You you want to talk a bit about that? Sure. Very clear that historically there's been very high bicycle use by the working people of the port and the surrounding residential suburbs. That largely continues. I mean, We have nothing against cars, but the point is that cars cost money to run and from many years, three decades of working with people of Port Adelaide in the health sphere I worked in, it's very clear to me that car use is increasingly beyond the means of many, many, many people who live on the Lefevre Peninsula and in the broader Port Adelaide area. So it's very clear to me that active transport remains a very important issue for them walking, cycling, public transport. I often return to the Dutch concept of the bicycle as the equity vehicle. The bicycle provides people with limited means a more equitable access to quite effective transport. 
particularly up to maybe 10 to 15 kilometre journeys. So that's what inspires us to keep working. You asked about the conflict that's often promoted in the media between cycling and cars. I see that largely as a, as a beat-up. I mean, most bicycle users who are employed also about 75% in Adelaide anyway, are also registered car users. So really it, it's, a, it's a significant beat-up on the part of the papers. We find that most people, car drivers or otherwise, are very sympathetic to the concept of active transport. Most people really, once you get past the um, diatribes about mobs of lycra, sports cyclists, most people understand the importance of active transport and the very significant possibilities it has for reducing the health burden on the community. Sam Powery, Secretary of the Port Adelaide Bug, or Bicycle User Group. This segment was recorded at the 2017 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference and produced by Nikki Page. Lest we forget, join us to commemorate the 176th anniversary of the execution of the two freedom fighters, Tanaminawai and Moorbohina, at the Tanaminawai and Moorbohina Monument, corner of Victoria and Franklin Street, Melbourne. Do you know the names of the first men hanged here in Melbourne town? Join us midday, Saturday the 25th January 2018 and then walk with us to their last resting place in the Queen Victoria markets. The ceremony will be broadcast live on community radio 3CR, 3cr.org.au. Far from their ancestral homes down in Van Diemen's land their lives would be in vain if they didn't take a stand. This next piece from Step Away from the Car, Knowing Your Place, 3214. You might know that as the postcode for Geelong. Most places hold endless stories and sights if you would just take a closer look. Five self-guided walks developed by local people in the northern suburbs of Geelong have captured many of them. Community Development Officer Amanda Strait explains that support for cycling has just been one of the flow-on effects from this project. And this audio is from people who were involved with the 2017 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference. And it was put together by Radio Adelaide's Nikki Page. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Some news about active transport. I talked to many of the old residents that still lived there from the day they went into that public housing and the fabric of the stories and the social connections that they had made them really proud of their place. So these walks are about feeling that place and having um, pride in that place. Everywhere we live in this country holds endless stories, maybe dreamtime stories or past stories, maybe the natural world. Locals in Geelong have captured many of their stories in self-guided walks, and that's just one of the projects of Amanda Stirrett, Community Development Officer. 
When I first started my job, there had been a bike loop put around the two suburbs of Corai and Orlane, and my boss said to me, you need to activate that. I said, what do you mean? She said, whatever, do whatever. And then an event came up, and I was supposed to sit there and give out brochures, and I don't like doing that. So I went for a walk, and then I noticed that the houses in the area all had a particular look. And when I did some research, I found out that these were all public housing from built after the Second World War, and it was for all the displaced persons from Europe and the Baltic states, and they were kit homes. They came on a ship at the port, which is just down the road, and were built by Bavarian builders. And that walk has become a knowing your place, 3214, which is the postcode of Karai and Orlane. So the walk is for people to have a brochure to go and discover that area? Yes. They're self-guided walks. I have them in a brochure, but they're also on our um, Geelong City website. They're just nice little, you know, one to three kilometres they go to, but it just gives you a bit of the fabric of the place. I've now got five of these little knowing your place walks and it's come from people in the community so it can be school groups it can be community groups it can be a residential group they did one on their little patch of land which they're surrounded by industry now that also had um, the Wadarong the traditional landowner information in that so I worked with them as well so that was a collaboration of the three to create that walk from that the cycle loop I've actually started to work with, well, how does a person use that loop, because we have low car ownership in this area, to get to a destination like the doctors or to the shopping centre. So there's now all these links that go from the cycle loop into those destinations. And I applied to get money to support schools in the north to do bike education, because we do have kids riding to school, Many don't wear helmets, many are new arrived, so no road safety at all. Um, and so what I needed to do was to provide the funding so that teachers and or volunteers or parents could be trained as bike instructors. Vic Roads do have a trailer of bikes which is free to schools, so I organised Jim's Mowing to deliver that trailer to the schools. And in addition to that, I've had some Year 11 kids that aren't going to be doing university, but will go into some trades. These happen to be refugee kids. They've done the bike assistant and maintenance course, and they get rostered into schools to help the teachers run the program. So over the last year, a 1,000 kids have done bike education. So really what you've done is you've used your community development skills, haven't you? Networking like crazy. Yes. And really, I haven't spent a lot of money. The walks are, are self-funding. Uh, to print them, you know, I've had all five done for $2,000 and I haven't had to reprint them as yet, so... But it's actually the project of the people getting together and yes. designing the walk that's the important bit, isn't it? Absolutely. So they decide what the route is going to be, how far it'll be, what the points of interest are and why it's important to them and that's the whole thing. It's not about what's important to me, it's what's important to them. Tell us about some of the walks that you've come up with. Okay, so the refugee kids who attend one of the local secondary schools, they come up with a Welcome to Kariah walk 
and this one had like services that they needed when they first arrived, like the medical centre that speak their languages, the library where they can access free Wi-Fi, the halal butcher, which I didn't know existed, the police station, even where a church may be that they may want to go to. So when the teacher and I worked on that one, the teacher rang me this day and said, they're not doing what you want. And I said, but what do I want? Oh, a history walk. I said, no, I never said that. It's what's important to them. So that's why it become the welcome walk. Uh, the mindfulness walk. Once again, this is a special school. These children have special needs. They're year 10. They do a lot of mindfulness in the school. And she'd seen one of the walks I'd done and said, we want to do a mindfulness walk. So we chose a beautiful part of the bay, Lionburners Bay, which actually runs into our port area. So you've got industry, but you've also got this beautiful wetland. And they had to come up with five pore spots that you stop and do mindfulness techniques. And as we were doing that, they taught me the techniques. And that walk has decals you put on the ground. So you could walk there without a brochure, without knowing anything about it, and you can do those techniques. We had a launch. They actually led the walk. A lot of my colleagues came on this walk and some parents and grandparents of these children, and they were just brilliant. And they were so proud of themselves. And one of the girls said to me, oh, my mum come home very stressed from work the other night. So I said, we need to go on the mindfulness walk. So we drove there and we went on it and she said, thank you very much, that's the best thing I've done all day. So, you know, that's something they do in school, but it's connecting with the community as well, which has been fantastic. Amanda Stewart, Community Development Officer with the City of Greater Geelong, telling us about her project called Knowing Your Place 3214. This segment was recorded at the 2017 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference and produced by Nikki Page. 3CR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. I'm Tash Sultana and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. Up next, you're going to listen to Women and Children Step Away from the Car. And again, as uh, the other pieces you've listened to today, these were put together by Radio Adelaide and they're from contributors and people who spoke at the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference in 2017. And these are... uh, Unique mix of policy workers, urban planners, community advocacy groups, inventors and artists. 
Basically, why is it so hard for women and children to get out of the car and onto bikes, scooters and our own two feet? Jan Garrard and Julia Gilbert are two researchers with a few answers and some solutions. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Some news about active transport. I mean, cycling as a whole in Auckland is definitely increasing, but further on, in terms of the, the neighbourhood type of greenways, um, it'll be interesting to see how the local board can continue to make more of these connected uh, cycle routes that basically makes the whole area a lot more accessible to the people living there. Jason Chow has a great job which involves designing safe routes for cyclists and pedestrians. Sometimes the solution is greenways, safe routes well away from cars. But the light path is something pretty different again. The light path is a very innovative project and I was lucky to be part of the team. So basically we uh, used a redundant off-ramp in, in CBD and converted it into a shear path for cyclists and pedestrians, but because of the location of where it's built, it's also now a very important route connecting to the northern part of the city and also the southern part of the CBD. And it's bright pink. Yes, and it is bright pink with lights columns on both sides of the route. Along the whole route, it has um, detection on movement. So, for example, if the light is on the, the purple, when it detects the people, it will go to another different colour. And it's uh, very, very vibrant when you're travelling there at night. A big project at the moment is, is much more low-tech, isn't it? It's about creating the first greenway in Auckland. So perhaps could you first of all say what do you mean a greenway? What does that mean? It's a plan to connect a lot of the green areas of a neighbourhood using walkways, cycleways to connect these locations um, and also help people to have a less uh, stressful environment to walk and cycle. This uh, project particularly is concentrated uh, mainly for the school students because nearby there are six schools and the project is only about 2.5k so that's uh, our commission to do the work. It actually connects the, uh, the green space in the middle um, and the two green spaces on north and south of my project. So essentially a 2.5 upgrade of uh, footpaths or, or cycle paths actually result in a 7k accessible network of routes. Do you have a sense of the impact that it's having on local schools to have that area linked up? In terms of myself actually going back and walk the route and also closing off site visit, um, I could see children playing along the footpaths, which uh, is very encouraging for me, showing that people can actually go out and actually um, just enjoy where they, they live, whereas previously would be um, too scared because of um, the amount of traffic as well as the speed. What kind of work had to be done to overcome barriers to make this link up of your routes for yeah. children to travel? Yeah, well, some elements which I think are quite essential. In Auckland, we're separated into different uh, local boards, so it's important that the local board buys into it. Secondly, I mean, to be honest, if the neighbourhood doesn't actually want it, it's not smart to actually build those assets in, in the environment. But in this case, because they're so close to schools, as well as the number of green spaces available, that makes it a lot easier 
um, to make it a successful um, project. Other challenges perhaps are, I'm not sure whether you have an issue in, in Australia, but in New Zealand parking is very important because we love our cars. Losing parking spaces is certainly an Australian thing. Yeah. How did you tackle that? Um, I mean, one good example is along the route there's a hockey turf, a hockey association, and apparently they just submitted a consent for like a $2 million upgrade of their hockey field. And we have to remove some of their parking for the route, and they're, they're posted. But then we try to give things back by saying, oh, well, we're giving you some other locations where we're increasing the, the parking space available so that total amount of effective loss to you is not as great as you imagine. In the end, yeah, it was all, uh, I guess, sorted, and the project went ahead. All of that kind of laying the groundwork. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of homework needs to be done in the background to support yourself. Um, I mean, the council and the people that make the changes, they're not making a change just for the sake of making it. They, they want to obviously do something that's beneficial to the, to the neighbourhood. Um, and sometimes it's other people that may be affected, but for the big picture, a bigger context, um, it's actually better for the city. Jason Chow, Senior Traffic Engineer with GHD in Auckland, New Zealand. This segment was recorded at the 2017 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference and produced by Nikki Page. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.